You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It. The show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time, I don't even know, rehab patient. My shoulder is in not great condition, but I'm going to try and climb on it anyway. And I am a full-time, what do you call somebody that just spends a lot of money on nonsense? Spendthrift? No, that's the opposite, right? I don't know. Uh, Professional money waster. And with me, as always, is my good friend and crate digger, Andrew Patterson. We were digging in some crates today. Yeah, this is a different kind of episode because we're not going to be talking about a You Gotta Love It or a Hidden Gem. Although I feel like this event that we went to is both of those things wrapped into one. Mm -hmm. Much like Record Store Day. Yes, very much like Record Store Day, in fact. This is just a condensed version almost of Record Store Day. We went to uh, Toronto's record show, I want to say. Toronto Downtown Record Show. Yeah, which is a place where record nerds can come and congregate and dig through each other's crates and uh try and find hidden gems i guess yeah hidden gems you know things things to check off the list um i think there's a lot of people in the sale rooms that uh, are also like if something is five bucks like they're just taking chances on things that they have never heard of which you know what uh i mean if we're just going to get right into it is a cool it's it's an interesting aspect of uh record collecting or even just people who appreciate records and and are buying physical music that's something that i think you lose maybe you don't lose it with streaming but it's so accessible that like you can't really surprise yourself well there's not a chance to be taken is really what it is with streaming you just have it so it's not like you're spending money on it and it could go right it's when you're doing it with a record, it's almost like one, buying one of those mystery bags from a convenience store or something. Like yeah. you just don't know what you're going to get. And the other thing is that it doesn't, uh, there's no algorithm, you know? Right. One thing that I actually really liked about a lot of the bins at this place is that they didn't organize them. Because that, I assume on the one hand, it, it creates more of the thrill of the hunt. And it also prevents people from the, like asking questions. Like if somebody's like, Oh, do you have, uh, you know, this particular uh, Miles Davis record? And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's like over here in this crate. It'll be, you know what I mean? Because it's so chaotic. They just like, not even alphabetically, some of them, right? Like the bigger ones, they just like completely shuffle them so that you're forced to look through and it like keeps everything slow, keeps it like, yeah. And they can be hands off because like they're just, if somebody asks, they're just like, it would be in the j- one of the eight jazz boxes. And you're just like, oh, I guess I got to look through all this. Well, so what I will say to that is some of them weren't even organized by genre. Yeah, that's I, a bit that much. like f- I can't even look at that. Yeah, that's you know? too much. If it's by genre, fine. Yeah, it doesn't have to be alphabetical. But the ones that were just like all of our records are five dollars. Here's a bunch of boxes of random shit. Like, yeah, oh. that's a little t- it's like the extreme end of the spectrum. But yeah, it's interesting. There's um, there's definitely like the way I generally do stuff. Like mm-hmm. I bought one or two things that 
could be surprises and uh you know i based them off of like i i see you know a cover caught my eye and i was like oh that's cool and then i flipped it over to see to see what the deal was and it was like oh okay it's uh you know it was on ghostly international which is a label that i like and uh yeah so chances were pretty good that it would be something i would enjoy even though i'd never heard of it before so yeah, you don't really get that. Like there's there's no algorithm that says like, oh, uh, recommending these eight albums or artists because you liked Kendrick Lamar, you know? And then I'm not saying that there's that's less thrilling for people, but I think that most people do not really, again, they don't really engage with this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of what comes across their place, plate musically is, is fed to them or in a way that's just sort of like either recommended by an algorithm or... You know, like it's like a pot, it's a charting song that they hear everywhere or they, you know, they hear it in a store. There's like, there's definitely something to be said for going to an event like this or just a record store Mm -hmm. and just, you know, flipping through a bunch of stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly not for everybody, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So, so, uh, yeah, as long as, as long as like, there's just some tough people to deal with sometimes at these events, because Especially at a show like this, there's a lot of like ultra rare finds mm-hmm. for sure. And so people are like, it, not as bad as Record Store Day, but people are like kind of climbing over one another to be like, well, what's in this box? Like, and that's a, a bit annoying. But overall, I think it's an interesting experience and y- you get some stuff. We should talk about uh, what we got. And I think it, our, our like pickups from this event almost is like a metaphor for our positions on this show because like not most of what I got is very contemporary and there's not a lot of deep cuts, mm-hmm. but I feel like you on the other hand came with like a list of shit that like people don't, well, well, you know, it's just like not, it's like a deep cuts, deep cut, you know, you're like, Oh, I picked up this fucking thing and I'm just like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's good. There's is. um, it's uh, for the most part, I think that I got a lot of things that are modern. They're like contemporary music, but to buy the record in stores would be between $25 and $35. And here they were like sealed for like 15 bucks, mm-hmm. 15 to 20 bucks. So that was worth it for me. But there's definitely a couple things. There's a, I have a running list that has a lot of stuff that I didn't make the list thinking it would be hard to find, you know? Yeah. I just made the list when I heard the sample or heard the song and I was like, oh, that's a cool thing to check out at a later point. And then I just came to realize that a lot of them are very rare albums or at least they're very expensive. They're very hard to find. So I thought that maybe I'd be able to find some of them today. I did find some of them. Yeah. Um, and others, there was people who just never even heard of them before, which was surprising even to me just because I'm sure somebody there would have known what I was talking about, but they weren't like... I don't know. It draws an interesting crowd. Like, uh, there's a lot of really knowledgeable people there, you know? That oh, are, for sure. Are super, they're beyond me in that they, you know, they keep track of, like, issues and, like, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so why don't you start us off? Yeah, I got, uh, we'll start, yeah. I, one of the records that I was, that was on my list that I was looking for uh, is a Norman Connors record called Dark of Light. And I, so I'm not like, I don't know a lot about jazz. Right. Um, just in general, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I know what kind of jazz I like. Yeah. And one thing that I find interesting, like, uh, 
our, our friend Sean, who unfortunately was going to be on this episode, couldn't make it. It was like scheduling conflict. He had a rehearsal and now he's like flying to Iceland. Iceland? Yeah. Um, to do a show. Um, he is very knowledgeable about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, when you're like, um, he would look at a record during one of our record listening parties yeah. and he might not recognize who the person is, but he would flip it over and see like, oh, so-and-so played drums on this. Oh, so-and-so is the trumpeter. And he like knows the jazz musicians that are performing right. on the record, yeah, yeah, which is like a big thing in jazz. And that's like something that I don't, you don't really run into that as much in other types of music, maybe hip hop a little bit, but you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not kinda, like, yeah, it's it, not, there's no other genre where, where yeah. like the, cause it's not just it's session r- guys. It's just like, yeah. It's rare. Like an example would be like Kenny Vasoli from The Starting Line. He yeah. has a band, The Starting Line. He has a side project called Personnel. But then like he toured with Say Anything or like he would play bass or guitar on somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like in that genre of music, you don't necessarily look for that because it's rare that somebody is known to be, to have a particular style of play or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is, wh- w- the whole reason I'm saying all this is that this is one of the few records that I actually know some like... Well, you you know it's got to be interesting when the tiny print on the front of the record, one yeah. of the names is Herbie Hancock. Yeah, exactly. Herbie Hancock, uh, Eddie Henderson. There's people that played with Herbie Hancock, mm-hmm. who is obviously extremely talented and prolific in his own right. And um, they're like the, you know, I don't know what you, what, is that what you call them? Session music? They're the, yeah. like the contributing musicians on this record. Um, and I honestly can't remember where I even first heard of this. I think... I think was where it I a first, sample or something? I don't think it was even a sample. I think it was an old Nardwar interview. Oh yeah, he was interviewing. Uh, was it Tyler the Creator even? Like a younger Tyler? I don't know. I don't remember. But one of the gifts that he gave this person was this record. Yeah, which blew their mind, and I was just like, "Well, you know, it's basically like in the old days when one of your favorite bands you look in the liner notes to see who they thank." Yeah, it was kind of that situation. I was like, "Wow, if this musician." is obsessed with this it's probably something i'm interested in so right. i looked it up online and listened to it and i was like oh this is great and i yeah i just i don't know like i'm sure i this is actually my first time seeing it i've never seen it before i'm sure it's not that rare like it wasn't priced at like a rarity <laughs> price you know right. but it's a really good condition and um i'm excited to listen to it so that was like one of the and that was on my list it's been on my list for for years um are we gonna go one for one here sure. or do you want me to run through the um, I mean, mine will be pretty quick because a lot of what I got, I think people will know. But uh, oh, I didn't realize that's what this was. The fir- I thought it was just an okay. Go oh. on. The first thing I picked up was a seven-inch uh, Strike Anywhere album live at uh, the Montage Music Hall. Uh, Strike Anywhere is surprisingly one of my favorite punk bands. I love uh, Strike Anywhere. Yeah, but I feel like they don't get a lot of love. You know, it's like. People who like punk are like, yeah, they're good, but it's like, I don't know. It's just something that you listen to as opposed to like being your favorite. But uh, whenever one of the records comes on, I'm like, I, I forget how much I like it. And then I hear it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like this. So yeah, I have two Strike Anywhere records. I only have one. And ne- it neither, neither uh, the one that I have is neither of the records that I really want. Hmm. So it's the one that you have. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. I also don't remember what mine's called, but it's got omega footprint i think is a song on it which is a which is a great song i want the one that's just uh the black and white cover it kind of looks like this gotcha it's not very good at a audio medium but uh yeah anyway if you don't know what strike anywhere is i would say 
uh, and you like like traditional angry rock. Yeah, it's like a sort of like Fat Record, Fat Records era punkorama, uh, punk. Yeah, think type of like music, like it's Good Riddance, like the angry, yeah. angrier side of Good Riddance or something. That's. Uh, yeah, it's like I I remember getting the punkorama compilations where it would be like, uh, yeah, Good Riddance, Guttermouth, Strike Anywhere, uh, <laughs> you know, Bad Religion. I want this one. Is the one that I want. It's a Strike gotcha. Anywhere uh, album called Exit English. Cool. Is what I was looking for. I didn't find it, but I did find this seven inch. So that was my first pickup. What do you got for us? Uh, I got. Uh, I'll just go with both of these because they're. I got them at the same vendor. He threw one in because I was getting the other one. Uh, I got Black Moon's Enter the Stage, Kay. which was recently reissued, like a deluxe, insane, like double LP, like gatefold, fancy reissue. Yeah. That was pretty expensive, and I was just like, oh. And it's one of those things where I've been wanting to buy it, but I just, you know, even though I would spend, I've spent way more than what it costs on records since it came out. It right. just was like, I couldn't really justify it. But then I found it at one of the last vendors today, not not the crazy edition, but like a, an original edition of of the record. And it's just, yeah, it's just like, uh, there's obvi- there's a lot of uh, hip-hop bands from the, from the 80s and 90s uh, particularly the '90s that had um, black in their name, Black Sheep, Black Star, yeah, Black Moon, you know, Black Black Street. <laughs> um, I don't really know what I can say about this. It's just like a classic, uh, classic '90s rap album. It's like one of the ones that, like, you know, you ever see like the Rockus Records, like respect the classics where it's got like a gold foil sticker it'd be like a reissue they yep. reissue most deaths black on both sides and it's all or like bahamadia or something mm-hmm. it's like that kind of album right. 1993 um if you're into like a golden age hip-hop so as it's called or yep. referred to it's just like the I don't, I don't know if 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 you're listening and you've never heard of Black Moon or you've never listened to Black Moon it's one of those things where when if you were to listen to the record enter the stage you would hear a song and be like oh that's these guys. Right. You okay. know what I mean? They're like gang star, like that kind of, yeah. So that was cool. That was like a nice little find. And then the record that they bundled with it was Smokey Robinson's A Quiet Storm, which uh, I think, again, not not rare. Everybody knows who Smokey Robinson is. Yeah. Most people probably know Smokey Robinson. He's my Robinson. favorite rapper. <laughs> <laughs> Most people probably know Smokey Robinson for this song. Probably. Quiet Storm. Yeah. It's uh. But I can't find the record. Right. I've looked all over at Toronto, even like a like a cheap reissue of it. I can't find it. And when I look for like, you know, old copies on like Discogs, they're yeah. always crazy expensive. That's so prime I, for like a record store day release or something. Yeah, you know, for sure. And I, I'm sure that th- this this one that I found is beat to shit. Like the sleeve is like, you know, it's not. L- you you can see the entire image, but it's pretty rough. Yeah. But then I slid out the record, and the record is in an almost perfect condition. So I was like, five bucks, like absolutely. And the guy was just like, I'll just like throw that. I'll just give that to you for free. Mostly because, and here's the other thing that's cool about doing something like this. Um, that I kind of appreciate. Like I think that in a lot of types of retail, people that work in retail for the most part don't give a shit. Right. Right. They're, they're kind of just passing through, you know, like when you go to like an independent store, maybe a little bit more, they, they're passionate about what they do. But with like records, like 
and especially in this environment at the fair, one of the reasons that guy, at least the reason he said he was going to give it to me is because I had just spent like five minutes looking through their hip hop bin. Yeah. And you're chatting with the guy and I'd like slide something in. I'd be like, oh shit, you have this like King Ghidorah album, you know, like MF Doom. Like, yeah. just like, there's a couple things that there was like a mutual respect there. Like I was like, oh, this guy's only got like three crates, but the crates he has have like quality stuff in them and like pulling it out and you just have a little bit of a back and forth and it's just like everything's cash. Everything is kind of, you know, it's not like this is nine ninety nine retail. It's yeah. just sort of like this is kind of what this is worth and then you have to take the condition into account. You have to take all these different things into account. So right. it just is a lot more fluid and it like you can barter and see, you know what I mean? Or not barter, you can, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, barter or no, uh, uh, bar- mm. yeah. Why can't I think of the word? I, yeah, I can't think of the word either. You're essentially talking him, talking, Talk, talking him down. down. Yeah. yeah, which I didn't do, but he was just like, I, I was just like, oh man, I have like exactly enough money to get these, and exactly enough cash. He's like, haggle, hag, yeah, haggle, haggle for price. But he was just like, I'll just give them both to you for thirty. Yeah, which was cool, you know, like yeah. that. Yeah, again, it's just like things like that. You're like, that doesn't happen if you go into fucking like, you know. Club Monaco right. <laughs> or Urban Outfitters, you're like, hey, would you give me these two records for forty dollars? They're like, no, they're twenty five dollars each. It's fifty dollars. Right. You're just like, oh, okay, okay. That being said, I wasn't gonna buy those Mars Volta records for one hundred and fifty dollars a pop. Although that's not like unheard Is of. That how much they were? Yeah. Which one was it? All of them? Yeah. Yeah, he had all of them and all the side project shit. I basically just listened to D. Laust, Francis the Mute, and. Uh, uh, what's the one with the that you pulled out first? I think where they're carrying the giant statues. Yeah, I don't having, remember what you know it's what called. About? Yeah, those are really. I kind of trailed off after that. It started kind of getting. Well, it, it, like, a little too I was going to say it's progressively me. weirder, but like that's the whole genre, right? It's just. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the the next record that I got, uh, we'll stay on the punk train here, is uh, No Effects' The Decline. Uh, surprisingly, my first No Effects release, and. One of the reasons was a little while ago, like maybe four years ago, uh, they released a box set of all of their studio albums and I wow. wasn't able to get it. That's probably really expensive. Yeah, and now it's very expensive. But I'm like, it's still cheaper than buying all the records individually, I think, or like at least the same price. So I'm just trying to like work up the courage to just buy this box set or just wait until there's like a retrospective box set and just get that because I need to own all the no effects records. I just, there's so many, yeah, you know, there's just so they, many. I, the fat Mike has such a prolific out. His output is insane. Yeah. If you consider even like other bands that he's in, right. Me first, me first in the gimme gimme's recently. I was list like, I don't know. I was listening to a compilation on a streaming service. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you, you know, you would also like me first in the Gimme Gimme. So I'm like, yeah, obviously I know who they are. Stupid algorithm. And I like clicked on it. Yeah. And uh, it listed all their albums. And there's I so had, many. I was just like, I didn't realize how many albums they had. Yeah. Oh, they're you still know? like he's constantly got, releasing. He's got like 40 No Effects albums. There's like 30 Me First in the Gimme Gimme's albums. Well, so crazy. No Effects does like their seven inch of the month thing, right? Where they're just releasing like a new song. Anyway. But uh, The Decline, it is one song that is 23 minutes long, somewhere in there. Uh, And it's a good song. Yeah, it's amazing. And it it, it, there's, uh, see, this is a, again, I didn't realize that's what you had picked up. That would be probably, if I had to choose one No Effects record that I would own, because I don't own any either, Mm -hmm. it would be The Decline. Because it's such an interesting concept 
for a band that does really really fast you know yeah, skate sub, sub two and a half minute songs right to do a, a single song that is basically probably the length of one of their albums right you know what i mean like yeah. it's a weird and i love that it has the the it recurring i don't know all the music terminology that you would use right as a recording artist but like the melodies that come that are woven throughout it yeah there's definite stages it feels kind of like a play like it's like a very conceptual like yeah you know speeds up slows down speeds up slows down goes to like different places but there's kind of like a consistent there, there's a structure to it and it almost like as if it was i mean it is one long song but there is almost like a a longer verse chorus type element because they keep coming back to the same things at mm-hmm. at varying points in the song uh anyway yeah very good probably yeah i would agree maybe the definitive no effect song if uh you're interested and i actually saw them play it live once That's beginning crazy. to end and it was incredible so yeah that was my next one what do you got for us um so I, actually i think the rest of my records at this point are all relatively new releases that i just got for a good price so so are mine yeah i don't really need to spend too much time on each one the first one is tyler the creator's flower boy which uh i think probably wins the award for the most listened to record at wisp creative really i think so maybe not maybe i mean there's a couple there's a couple i would throw in the mix um i mean i feel like i should be the Wooden Sky, anything by The Wooden Sky. Really? Anything by... Wow. I Connor Oberst. Oh, is that Lucas is doing? Yeah, but it's like we're... the So Lucas, Monica, and myself yeah. all have very similar tastes in that we like a very wide breadth of music, you know, like yeah. across many genres. I'm not surprised that you... Like, these are the bands that you like, but for, for them to be the most played is, like, surprising to yeah, me. Yeah, so what happened, I think, is that... Uh, you know, Lucas, obviously, Lucas listened to hip hop before we met. It's not like he didn't, he wasn't like into rap or something, but I listened to a lot of hip hop. So I feel like when we started the business or before that, you know, we were roommates for a time. It was like he was being exposed to a lot of rap. Yeah. And I was being exposed to more folk than I ever had in my life because I didn't really listen to folk prior to that. Sure. So it was kind of like a cultural exchange. Mm-hmm. right of uh of music uh mu- music tastes yeah um and so anyway so all of this is to say that uh for whatever reason i mean this album flower boy which i think is a is a brilliant album kind of marked a change in direction for tyler the creator if you're a fan of odd future tyler the creator you probably or even if you're not you might know him as kind of a controversial figure yeah uh especially in his uh you know because when he started making music he's basically a teenager yeah. And he was doing, you know, he was saying a lot of, I don't know if he regrets any of it, but things, I just wasn't on board, you know? I right. thought he was extremely talented, but there's some rappers where I'm just like, I can't like, I'm not down with this. Like, I don't really like, I don't really like what, uh, what the message is in this music. Sure. But I feel like he's come a long way and he is so talented. He's talented at like production and, you know, he's an incredible rapper and lyricist when he wants to be, when he applies himself. And yeah. Like, you know, um, that's kind of what this album was. It came out last year, I think 2017. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were uh, immediately obsessed with it at the office. Like it was just like, 
we would play it almost every day, at least once. That's and so then, interesting. And then uh, it's just like a good mix, you know? It's mellow. It's got a couple upbeat parts. Um, we love like every single song. And then uh, we went and got a box at Rico Coliseum for his tour when he was touring Flower Boy. Yeah. So we saw Vince Staples and Tyler, the creator. There was like Wisp, a Wisp company outing, uh, which was cool. Um, courtesy of Monica. Shout, shout outs to Monica. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it just has been like almost at least once a week, even still now at the towards the end of 2018, we still listen to this album like once a week in the office. So, um, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out to anybody. I would say that uh, was a fan of Tyler, the creator before was a fan of Odd Future. Or maybe if you're somebody that loves hip hop, uh, but wasn't into Tyler, the creator, I would still recommend listening to this album because I feel strongly that it will be one of those respect the classics type albums in the years to come. You know, this will be looked at as like a, you know, if you were to make a like top 50 pitchforks, best 50 hip hop records of, you know, to the 2010s of yeah. the 10s, it would easily be in there. I think. Okay. Yeah. Probably even higher than that. It would probably be like top 25 maybe. Okay. Yeah. So, Get on that. Get yeah. get get it's on good. those streaming services one. and uh, listen to that record. Okay, um, my next record is. I'm not gonna spend. I'll just do two because the first one is. I don't, we don't even need to talk about it. We've talked about it before, and uh, ev- everyone probably just knows what it is anyway. But it is Kendrick Lamar's "Damn." Yeah. Uh, it was priced well enough that you know, whatever. I was just like, I don't own it. I should probably own this. So I got it. Yeah. Uh, that's all that needs to be said about it. Like you, yeah. How do you not know what it is at this yeah, point? That would be like number three, probably in Pitchfork's top top fifty it's, albums of the tens. It's definitely up there. Uh, okay, so the the record that I got after that was a soundtrack to an anime, classic anime, Akira. Uh, I mean, what else needs to be said about that either? Other than this is the the symphonic suite. Yes, I was just about to say that. So. Uh, it'll be an interesting listen, to say the least. Dano Yamashiro Gumi. Um, I don't even really, if we're being honest, I don't even really remember a lot of the music from Akira. So this will be an interesting rediscovery because when was the last time you even saw that movie, Andrew? Oh, I don't know. Probably five, ten years ago. Exactly. So I think, uh, you know, it's it's not as if I'm taking like a huge shot in the dark here, like we were talking about earlier, but I don't. I'm not exactly sure what I'm gonna get out of this, so I'm I'm very curious to give it a listen. Anyway, the art is so good, man. Yeah, Kira's incredible. Chris has got you see Chris's. He's got that crazy Akira tattoo. Yeah. So, well, so good. I also have that crazy Akira T-shirt. That's right. <laughs> Courtesy of Bunt. That's a great T-shirt. Yeah. Uh. Next up, I actually also think I'll just do two because I, I know that I've talked about this because I've recommended it in, a, in an episode probably like f- four or five months ago, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Kimbra's new album. Kimbra, the, uh, from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. She's like a pop, pop songstress. Uh, yeah, fuck. I don't know, man. I, it's, it's a great album. All of her albums are great. Uh, if you're looking for some... I don't know, kind of like alternative pop 
I don't really know how. Again, it's kind of hard with like newer mu- new music borrows from so many genres now. There's right. So much um, genre bending. So much is genre bending that you know a lot of it is very is infused with electronics. You know, like there's a lot of electronica a- aspects to it, but I would still describe it as just like a pop record. Right. Um, yeah, it's great. It's a really good album. Uh, it's got a couple songs that feel very Prince-esque. There's a couple songs that feel very... Uh, there's some like stripped down where it really showcases her incredible vocals. And I saw her live too uh, before this album came out and it was an amazing show. She, really? She, it really translates well live. She's, she's very talented. So anyway, so I got that because it, uh, it was a good, great price. Um, and then I got another classic album. Yeah, this one's interesting. Herbie Hancock's Headhunters, which I think is something that, um, again, it's not a super deep cut. Yeah. I think for for people who collect records or people that are even remotely familiar with jazz, that's like a pretty obvious one. Like mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh yeah, obviously Herbie Hancock's Headhunters. But um, it was reissued recently. It's probably been reissued a billion times. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I just like, it was a good price and it's something that I've wanted for a while and just never really like, got and what remind what brought it front of mind recently is that i saw the movie mid 90s yeah at tiff and one of my favorite scenes in the movie has uh a song from this album um which is called watermelon man and uh when i heard it i knew that i recognized it yeah but i couldn't place it and the harder I thought about it, the the worse it was getting. And and Tom, who I saw mid nineties with, was like, "Yeah, what was that song? That was amazing." And I was like, "Oh fucking no, man! I know all of the rap songs that have sampled it, and I know what the song is, but I couldn't think of it." And uh, so I reached out to my buddy Kagan, who is like a master. He knows all the samples. He knows yeah. like all of the records. And he was just like, I described it to him. It's funny because words. it's like one of those things where it's like uh, an adult. Uh, an adult, excuse me, like a parent goes into a record shop yeah. and it's just like, uh, my daughter really likes a song, you know, it goes like, bop, bop, boop, bop. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it's like one of those types of situations. Uh, and he was able to pick out exactly what you were talking about, which is Yeah, it was crazy. really funny. I actually found the description if you want to hear my description because sure. I thought this was hilarious. So I sent him a message like out of nowhere, just one night being, I was like, what is this song that starts with a single flute? Then the flutes all start getting layered. It sounds like some weird Papua New Guinean tribal flutes or something. And then the six slow guitar and bass line comes in. It's driving me nuts. I feel like you would know based even on my vague description. It was like sort of Diggable Planets meets Das Effects vibe maybe. The guitar sample sounds sort of like the loop from Wrath of My Madness by Queen Latifah, but like half speed. And then like an hour later, he just responds with, okay, I'm thinking. And he just links the exact song. And I was yeah. just like... Oh, yeah. And then as soon as I saw it, I was like, of course, that's what it is. So I've, <clears throat> I've been listening to that song a lot recently. And uh, well, I started playing it accidentally mm-hmm. and thinking about it a lot. So I was just when I saw the record at the show, I was like, I should probably just buy it now because it's well, speaking of classic, the unnamed one, Tom, apparently, <laughs> well, not apparently uh, because I made the decision, but uh, he's going to be on the show soon. Finally. After all this time, yeah. dear listeners. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be on. We're going to talk. Uh, it's it's our all black everything episode, as I mentioned That's to you funny. last night, <laughs> which will be, it's gonna be good. Black Klansman and Venom. Um, I like Venom because when you say all black everything, it makes me think 
I was like, oh, is it going to be like a Ryan Coogler movie or something? Yeah. Like, going to be like Creed or like a new take on Black Panther or something like that, right. you know, or old black exploitation. And then it, it was Venom. Yeah. I was just like, I don't even think there was a black person in Venom. No. But Venom himself is colored black. Colored black. Yeah. So, okay. Not, not the road I thought you were going to go with it, but. Which is why it's funny. Um, yeah. Okay. The next couple records, I'm just going to run through them quickly because it would be silly for me to spend any time on any of this. <laughs> but uh, Childish Gambino's Awaken My Love. Again, yeah. one of those records, like, how do you not know what this is? Yeah. You probably know. And if you don't know, now you know. Uh, you should just check it out. The next one... It's, it, like, everywhere, too. Like, I... It's not rare, but and I want it, but I just... Yeah. You know, like, when you see something, especially with records, I'll see it every time I go into the store, and I'm like, yeah. ah, next time. But, like, straight <laughs> up, $20, no tax is, like... Yeah, it's pretty good. Why, why not? You know? Because you're not going to find it cheaper than 20 bucks anywhere, and you're going to be paying taxes on it. Yeah. Um... The next one is an album I already have, but it happens to be uh, limited to 300 uh, reissue and is probably one of my favorite records of all time, which is crazy, but... It is it is a perfect record, I think. Again, I don't know where... It would definitely be very, very high on my list of all-time favorites. Yeah. I don't know if it's my all-time favorite, but I could not agree with you more i honestly i genuinely think there is not a bad song on that album the whole thing beginning to end is like perfect it's just like a perfectly executed album we are talking about attack and black's marriage um yeah uh, if you don't know what it is you should you should listen to it it's like because when you think of attack and black i think when you mention attack and black to people they think of one or two things they think the folksy late era attack and black or they think like the hardcore punk early era attack and black and i think marriage is like the perfect middle ground between where the band started and where it ended up yeah. you know what i mean it's like right dead yeah. center and i uh one thing that we have talked about on the show on the podcast frequently and like in person er, you know like i it comes up a lot is that i have this thing where i like folk music but i find that almost every single punk band mm -hmm. or punk musician it's like it's like a rite of passage almost it's like the life cycle of a punk musician you start by making punk sounding albums or heavily like heavy heavier music yeah and then maybe you do one where it's even heavier or more energetic or better produced yeah and then the next one is maybe a little bit mellower more folksy and then maybe there's one more that's like really folksy and yeah. then you put out a folk album or you go off you the band breaks up and everybody does milder stuff and there are so many so many examples it's ridiculous like modern baseball mm -hmm. is a recent one modern baseball you know they went on hiatus um due to just sort of like mental health reasons of some of the the band members and, right uh, obviously you know i i love that band and i don't want them to you know, I want only the best for the guys in that band. So right. I respect that decision. But then, you know, one of the guys in the band has put out a bunch of albums as Slaughter Beach Dog, which is like, sounds like modern baseball if it was just like a guy with an acoustic guitar. Right. And, you know, some some accompaniment. You've got fucking... Dustin Kensrue. Dustin Kensrue from Thrice. Uh, Nicola, is that his name? From Millen Colin. Oh, yeah. He, he, he went that route. Uh, but, I mean... You, you're missing the... the, the Oh, I, it's the, almost the on biggest fire. one. Yeah. Yeah. Lex on fire. Dallas green, of course. But the list, honestly, like we've only listed like four or five people, but you can almost point to every album I have on the shelf. That's yeah. like a punk album. And they will have had a side project at some point. That's like, 
By far the most extreme version is Daniel Romano, though. By far. Because, like, he you didn't just go full. Even he, more than Dallas Green? Yeah, because he went, like, straight up country. True. You know? Like, Mosey. some. Of, yeah, some of his records are just, like, almost almost to a, a, a level of parody, but it's real. Yeah. But, like, it's that's how extreme he went. Whereas, yeah. like, Dallas, it's it seemed not. not he was already kind of singing that way. It yeah. It's just, like, the music was more aggressive. Yeah. So to bring it full circle back to Attack and Black, Attack and Black is one of the best examples because Marriage is an album I love so much. Yeah. It like pains me that like they, for, you know, they're people too, but for whatever reason that they just won't, it was like such a, I was like, oh man, these guys have this like, this genre blending on lock. Yeah. They could put out records that's like this sort of like more upbeat, aggressive folk. Yeah. For the next several decades and I would buy everyone. Like I would, it's, it's amazing. 100%. And then, and then it was just like too good to be true. They were just like, well, we're going to kind of go in this direction. And then the band, we're all going to go do our own things and have like our own projects. And yeah. Oh my I God. don't think that I found a band that has captured that as well as they did. Like no. they, they did it perfectly. And I can't no. like, somebody's like, Oh, what about this guy? Th- this, this is like kind of like more upbeat. Folk. I'm like, nah, man, like yeah. listen to Mary. Like it's perfect. Yeah. Marriage. <laughs> it's like the perfect balance. It's so good. Years also. And then after that, I was just like, Oh yeah, it's, it's okay. It's good. It's still good. The curve of the earth is still good, but it's not like, just give me what I want. <laughs> just give me yeah. what I fucking want. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Uh, what do you got up next for us? Uh, I don't know. I still, I think I got more than you. Maybe I got yeah, a couple more. That's but, okay. Uh, so I got. Uh, I'll just go with another classic. I have one, one more classic, and then the rest are new. And it's um, Curtis Mayfield's album Curtis, which again, just a good price. Not a rare album. Mm-hmm. Again, very well known. Um, if you're not the type of person that listens to oldies or listens to old soul and and jazz and funk and all that kind of stuff. This album is probably one of the more heavily sampled albums in hip hop history, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, some obvious, the most obvious example for somebody even that doesn't listen to like hip hop from the 90s. Right. Would be the song Move On Up, which I think everybody knows. You'd know it to hear it, but Kanye sampled it in Touch the Sky. Yeah. Featuring Lupe Fiasco. Um, but like, this is an um, amazing album. It's basically flawless as well in a different way, but like Marriage. Like, there's mm-hmm. so many. The opening song, if there's a hell blow, we're all gonna go. Great. Other side of town, fantastic. The makings of you also sampled in a different Kanye song. Yeah. Kanye's probably sampled every song on this album throughout his discography. Uh by the way, it was like they were having a fire sale on Kanye West albums in that room with all the new albums. Like yeah. literally every Kanye West album you could possibly want was there. Yeah, it's true. Um so yeah, this is just a it's a great record. It's got a lot of it, this is this is interesting because I find that uh, this era of music had a lot of really like beautiful, warm sounding songs that were about really, really depressing shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's music in general, maybe. But like, this is such a warm sounding album to me. Like, yep. it f- makes me feel good to listen to it. But a lot of the lyrical content, you're just like, whoa. You know, like he's talking about the struggles of like black people in America. And it's like not uplifting it has some uplifting songs for sure, but it's just right. kind of like, you're like, Ooh, but then like you're listening to it and you're like, it's kind of like that third eye blind song where you're just like, yeah. Semi charmed life. And you're like, Oh yeah. What a great poppy fun song. And then you're like, Oh, this is, Ooh, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, 
okay, I'm going to save this one for last. Uh, I got J. Cole's album, For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't, you know what is funny? This one was kind of just an impulse buy because I really like J. Cole's mixtapes and then I didn't really like his first album and then his second album, uh, Voluminati, I think it's called. Yeah. No, Born Sinner. I think the first song is called Voluminati. Anyway, um, I loved. And then the next album I didn't like. <clears throat> it's just sort of like alternating his releases. I just was like, anytime that he does a more mixtape sounding song, mm-hmm. I think he's one of the best rappers in the world <laughs> right now living. And then he would really, whenever he releases something, it's a little bit more radio friendly. I yeah. don't like it as much. He's like right on the cusp of like, I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie Freestyle? No. So there's a documentary called Freestyle. Uh, that's incredible and one of the the it's about freestyle rappers um and one of the chapters in the movie is kind of about in the documentaries about how it's very rare that somebody who's talented as a freestyler or a battle rapper can Mm -hmm. has a successful career as a recording artist and nobody really there's not really a definitive answer in the film most people just don't know why it might be the energy is different right might be that it's like not as accessible for people but uh, you know, some of the greatest freestyle rappers of all time, uh, you would never, you wouldn't know them because they don't have albums. You know, they don't even feature on albums. Right. Like they just like, they are out there living their lives and they're legendary around among these circles, but mm-hmm. they don't, it doesn't translate. J. Cole to me is kind of somebody who's on the cusp. Like I think that he, as a lyricist, is like, unbelievable i definitely he's one of the again he's one of the best yeah but he walks a fine line and i think he knows it because he has a lot of songs about it where he releases the mixtapes blows up you know in the underground gets a deal releases an album album does not do well and the album gets trashed by people he respects being like this is like a shitty record and then he puts it like he even has that song let nas down about how he like idolizes nas and nas he found out that Nas had like heard one of his songs yeah. and said that it was like shit and it was like devastating to him. And he basically was just like, I can't, I have to like step it up. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's weird, but this, this album, um, for one reason or another, I've just been listening to at work a lot recently, mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. Um, the clothes, the album closer is like a long concept track about, uh, it's like a recording that's sort of like, if you're hearing this, I'm dead or in jail yeah and it's about like living a lot in living in a marginalized community like uh it's somebody writing a song to their daughter about like the struggles of trying to like be go legit but like having to provide Mm -hmm. and so get you know just the whole the struggle and uh it's like eight and a half minutes long and it's amazing and so you know again great price saw it i was just like oh yeah cool I'll, i'll grab that because I know that I'll listen to it again and again. My last record is just the the completionist in me was like got to got to have the complete box. I have to own this because I bought all of the Mondo released Halloween soundtracks, Halloween 1 to 4 or 1 to 5, excuse me, and the box set. And then of course, the new Halloween movie has its own soundtrack which uh was composed by John Carpenter. This is on a limited pumpkin orange vinyl, bro. Yeah, there's a few there's a few different variants of of this but anyway so 
And it just so happened that at this record show, they had the soundtrack for the newest Halloween film. And the completionist in me said, you know, this is probably going to sound a lot like the other five albums that I have. But yeah. And I also have the Carpenter Lost Themes 1 and 2. Those so, are good. You know, they are good. I mean, it's all going to be good. But uh, I just decided, you know, I have to I have to get it all. So I picked that up. And uh, I have no idea what it sounds like because I haven't seen the movie. But I'm sure it's good. Uh, this is probably for another podcast. But I read a huge article recently on like a wiki about Michael Myers' mask. Mm-hmm. From movie to movie, that was like fascinating to me for some reason. I wonder if it's in that that magazine that I've got. I also got the probably uh, birth movies death. Uh, like this is pretty. Have you seen that? You've Michael seen this Myers. one? Have you seen the newest one? No, I haven't. He, the ma- like this cut the for obviously you can't see what we're talking about if you're listening to us right now. I'm looking at the cover of the new Halloween soundtrack. Uh, it's just like a close up of you know kind of obscured by shadow of. The Michael of Michael Myers and his mask. It looks pretty fucked up in this one, like more fucked up than maybe not more fucked up than the Rob Zombie ones. Yeah. I don't know. I can't really me- I can't really remember. But I just remember in like the original one, it just looks like a just a white face, a white face basically. Yeah. Uh, it's a William Shatner mask. Man, I knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that, but that was part. That's what got me into this article where I went down this rabbit hole where it was like all the fa- how fans of Halloween are just so hardcore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And talking about, you know, how the mask changes from movie to movie. And, right. You know, which one's the best and all that kind of stuff. It's so pretty. the one misconception, though, is the mask itself is from uh, a William Shatner movie where uh, something happens. He gets like a spell cast on him or whatever, and he's starting to melt. And so it, it, it's like a, an amorphous sort of version of his face like at one point he himself is wearing a mask of his own face that is like somewhat distorted Hmm. and they decided to sell that mask as a mask so it's not like a perfect version of William Shatner's face in the first film yeah which is interesting but anyway uh I digress I'll let you finish this off so that we can go climbing yeah uh I got Bar Brothers Queen of the Break Queens of the Breakers which is their most recent album and uh yeah, I just hadn't hadn't bought it yet. <laughs> Basically, that was it. Good price. Uh, speaking of folk, Bar Brothers, one of my one of my favorites. I've seen them like more times than most bands, just yeah. in general, not even just in this genre. Uh, always in a, like a moving experience to see them live. Just supremely talented. Just it's unbelievable. So yeah, their new record. Um, it didn't uh, initially resonate with me as much as sleeping operator or the self type like their original their their other albums but uh you know gets a lot of play in the office and yeah. like i like every song it's just sort of something again you know it's just sort of like this fair if it's not gems that you're finding there's a lot of stuff because of the price where you're just like i've been meaning, I, to, pick I've been meaning to pick this up and now i'm saving like 10 bucks and it's in like perfect condition so why would i not do that yeah and then the last one is the one i took a chance on and i don't even know to be honest with you how to pronounce the name uh it is <laughs> the album is called Quiety, maybe, or maybe that's the artist. Okay, I'll say this: it's like uh, they put out a lot, like a lot of like electronic music, yeah. ghostly, um, some like experimental music, like experimental electronic music. To look at this cover, would you agree that it looks like it would be like an experimental electronic album? 
it could be a lot of things but yeah yeah, yeah it's it, just like kind of like a weird abstract looks like it could be stenciling looks like it could be a blurred photo or an x-ray of flowers or something right it's all black and white it was 10 bucks and I think the artist name again because of the way the art is laid out I don't know what's the artist name and what is the album name is uh Jack Jackacheck Jackacheck something like that fuck. yeah I see and I'm probably totally mangling it, but uh, yeah, it's plants on the back. It's like you can see them clearly in like an inverted photo. But uh, yeah, I honestly didn't really, I, I listened to like one song just on my phone just mm-hmm. to see, to get a feel for it. And it didn't help whatsoever. And I was just like, fuck. And the track I, names don't help either. There's like daffodils, they're all, they're all soft like music, yeah. love. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to listen to it. I'll report back. Uh, I... I assume what's going to happen is I'm going to listen to it and I'll be like, oh, okay. And I'll probably Google it. And when I'm reading about it, I'll discover that it is actually somebody I know. And this is a side project of theirs or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Just Cause it's like, they put out a lot of music on ghostly, but not so much that I wouldn't probably be able to recognize at least one part of it. But yeah, that was it. So it was a pretty good haul. Um, a very good haul. Yeah. Lots of stuff. I would do it again. Yeah, next I, year. I I would I will definitely do it again. I think uh it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't checked it out. Uh the the downtown Toronto record show. And uh yeah, until next time, I think that's where I say keep loving it. Yeah. Well, we know what we're going to do next time though, right? I think. Can we talk about that? Oh yeah. So let the people know. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, we are going to do a, well, I'm not sure in what order we'll do this, but we're going to do a comic book episode, mm-hmm. which will include a comic that I got in the eastern provinces of Canada called Shit and Piss as the hidden gem. And the You Gotta Love It will be Frank Miller and Jim Lee's uh, all-star Batman and Robin. Mm. Or uh, Batman and Robin, the Boy Wonder, I think it's called. I feel like there's probably a lot of people that love this, but uh, we found somebody that doesn't love it and, in fact, thinks it's ridiculous. And that's why it, f- it landed on the You Gotta Love It. I think it's going to be an interesting chat because I've already read it. So okay. uh, I think it'll be very interesting. And then, like I mentioned before, our All Black Everything episode, which will feature Venom and the Black Klansman. So keep listening and keep loving it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>